0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Carter has a lot to answer for. Should the Falcons trade up to number one? And we may learn more about the Hawks than we have this season starting this weekend. It's all next. John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head over to youtube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Check us out for free there. Roku and Amazon Fire, that's two more ways that you can find us as well, and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, we obviously know the story about Jalen Carter. Obviously, yesterday morning, uh, we had both first the AJC article that came out that linked Jalen Carter to the accident scene in the January 15th crash that killed a couple of UGA folks, and then we had yesterday the Charges brought against him for reckless driving. and he obviously went uh, he went back to Athens this morning, I believe it was. and and um you know, posted bond and all that good kind of stuff. But obviously, Jalen Carter's got a lot to answer for. Him. So I had on my radio show last night Alan Judd, who is the investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution who's been covering and following this story. And he broke the story yesterday morning about Jalen Carter was at the accident scene. And when you look at the scenario of all of the things that happened, okay, we're alleging that it was street racing. Uh, They got up to as much as 104 miles per hour. Then Jalen Carter fled the scene. So he was gone for about an hour and a half And it wasn't until, you know, for lack of a better term, the fixer called Jalen Carter up and brought him back to the accident scene that the police were able to question him. And then Jalen Carter gave mixed, you know, messages, mixed statements to the police with regard to what really happened. And we do know that alcohol was involved because the girl driving the car was almost Two and a half times um, over the legal limit as far as intoxication goes. So there are just so many bad things. I mean, no, every single person involved in this is, is coming out a loser because this is just such a tragedy. But Jalen Carter is really going to have a lot to answer for. He's going to have to really explain to teams about the behavior, not just, not just. You know, his role and what the accident was, but leaving the scene of a fatality to where you had to. I mean, had Jalen Carter not gotten that call from the guy who was on scene for the program, who knows if Jalen Carter would have been linked or because the way that supposedly that the way that there was a gathering of players at the accident scene, the way that they the other players that were at the accident scene, the way that they supposedly found out was Jalen Carter had called and talked with some of those guys. So who knows what would have happened if the police hadn't said, Hey, look, you've got to, you know, give him a call and get Jalen Carter back here. It's just a mess all the way around. And yes, the charge itself is just a misdemeanor. Okay. But, <laughs> Wrong place, wrong time, and and everything that surrounds this, teams are going to have to take a hard look at Jalen Carter. Now, look at the end of the day, talent will win out, right? If he can play, I mean, we see it all the time in the NFL. Uh, really, the only thing that affects your draft status by and large is if you smoke marijuana, right? Laramie Tunsil, uh, Dan Marino, Warren Sapp, like that's the only thing that seems to affect draft status is just smoking weed other than that seems like, you know, nothing really happens to guys, but it really, it, it, it does say a lot about Carter. Just the fact that he's going to have to answer some of these questions. And I promise you that there are already NFL franchises that are probably in Athens. You know, he was supposed to speak to the media yesterday morning. He was supposed to speak to the Atlanta Falcons and do an interview with them last night, And had to pull out of all of that. But this is a bad scenario all the way around. And I'm really surprised. And and I asked this to Alan Judd and he didn't really have an answer either about why if Jalen Carter may have been lying to the police or, or giving false statements to the police because he did not admit early on that they were racing and things like that. Then kind of said, okay, well, you know, we were. Why did they not charge him with lying to the cops or something like that? I don't know what the specific charge would have been, but why did they not, you know, charge him with all of that? So yes, I understand. For those of you that'll say, "Well, it, it's just a, it's just a racing charge and all that, and, and reckless driving and all that," that that's just a little misdemeanor. But the questions that are going to have to be answered from him about why he left the scene, about his role. You know, as far as he wasn't as truthful with the police and his role in what really happened. And then calling several of his teammates about, you know, to I I don't know what to to tell them to be there on scene or whatever like that when he wasn't even on scene. It's just a lot. And, And again, there are two lives that have been lost in all of this, but. Everybody that has been touched by this has been affected. And the other thing too about Jalen Carter is he put out a statement on Twitter yesterday where he said, I'll be exonerated. I'll be cleared of all the charges or this, that, and the other. Maybe in the legal sense. And here's the other thing that we know too, that Jalen Carter has been pulled over for speeding multiple times. One incident was an 89 in a 45 mile an hour zone. So there was a pattern of this behavior that was leading to all of this. So he's going to have to answer for that as well. And then, you know, so the company that provided him the vehicle from his NIL deal is a luxury car dealership in Ohio, which kind of makes me scratch my head. Like, okay, there was a dealer in Ohio that hooked him up with this car that was a, uh, a a Jeep, and you know, I guess has a Hellcat engine and a 700 plus horsepower engine all to it. There's just a lot of things about Jalen Carter that's going to have to be assessed by the NFL. But in reality, I, and and I it, this this may not sound nice, and it may not you know be what you want to hear, but the NFL will probably kind of turn its head and say, well, his talent is immense. He has immense talent. Yeah, he just kind of screwed up when he was younger. He'll mature and all that kind of stuff. That's unfortunately how the NFL looks at this. But this is a bad scenario all the way around. And, you know, more will probably come out in all of this. We'll probably learn more details in, in all of this kind of stuff. But certainly from a Jalen Carter's perspective, he's going to have to answer a lot of questions that he doesn't really want to answer. More than just his interview, you know, from NFL teams, he's going to have a lot to answer for just personally. And maybe as far as a civil uh, lawsuit that comes against him or anything. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, as we're headed toward the end of the NBA regular season, we're headed toward the NBA playoffs. FanDuel is a number is America's number one sportsbook, and if you get in on the action now at FanDuel.com, you can claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything at FanDuel from money lines to props to point scores, everything in between. When you go to FanDuel.com and sign up today, you can also get a chance to win a bigger payout with the same game parlay, but you can claim your no sweat first bet where you can get $1,000 in bonus bets by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and learn more Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. So should the Falcons trade up to the number one pick? So we are hearing reports that the number one pick from the Chicago Bears is up for trade, that it's the, the Bears will listen to offers and different things like that. Now, here's the interesting thing. So... The metric that you have to use is the NFL trade value chart, okay? Where there's a point system that is allotted for not just first-round picks, but picks all the way through the end of the draft, okay? So, for instance, the Bears' number one pick in 2023 has a value of 3,000 points, okay? The entire draft capital that the Falcons have, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, the entire draft capital that the Falcons have is 2,249.6 points. So even if they traded away their entire draft, they don't even have enough draft capital to get up to number one. Now think about that. And, And I know it's a screwy system, but this is what NFL teams use. Literally, you're probably looking at giving this year's number one away, next year's number one away, and an additional pick, maybe third, fourth round pick. It's just too rich. I mean, I understand the idea of being able to pick the guy that you don't have to wait for anybody. You don't have to worry about where anybody else is picking or things like that. But when you're the Atlanta Falcons and the roster is the way that it is, okay, is, you're not going to free agents spend your way to building this roster. You're not just going to load up on all free agents and think that you have your problem solved. You have to have young, cheap labor, or you find yourself in cap purgatory again. You have to find some of those young guys, and you have to have draft capital. Look, the Falcons are in a prime position at number eight. OK, maybe C.J. Stroud falls, but if he doesn't, then you still have your probably pick of, you know, several defensive edge players, whether it's Lucas Van Ness, whether it's Tyree Wilson, whether it's Miles Murphy, whether it's Keon White, you'll have your pick of all of those guys. OK, I mean, there'll be plenty of edge guys or if you can't work out a deal with Caleb McGarry, rather than franchising him or paying him a you know above market value and all that, okay, you could potentially get a Peter Skaronsky or a Paris Johnson. So the Falcons are in good shape all the way around. Whether, whether your first quarterback choice goes off the board, whether your first edge player goes off the board, whether your first offensive line player goes off the board because again, you know, like we need to start drafting guys that are right there at the line of scrimmage where the point of the football is, you know, not, not guys who stand 10 yards on the outside of, you know, our wide receivers and unicorns and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, cornerbacks and different kinds of players like that, you know, we sort of need to start building more inside. But anyway, um, we we'll, we can talk about that another time, but When you look at your offensive line, when you look at your defensive line, and, you know, if the right quarterback falls, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Falcons are in the business for Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or something like that. But there's going to be a myriad of choices right where you need the most help, right where you need to focus on first. Not worried about the first corner, not worried about the first wide receiver, tight end, running back, all those different things. I'm worried about when the ball is placed on the ground, how close can we get a guy that plays there? And if that's Miles Murphy, if that's CJ Stroud, if that's Paris Johnson, it's just, I don't think it's just worth going up to the number one spot when you have to probably give up first round this year, first round next year, and another draft pick. The, The draft capital... For the Atlanta Falcons, while from the point value system that the NFL has may not be worth as much. For the Falcons, it, it, it means a lot. It it means a lot to have this kind of draft capital. So I, I don't I, I'm not in the I'm not in the business whether it's trading for Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields or different players like this or trading for the number one pick. I'm just not interested in, at the end of the day, giving up the assets and the capital that it takes to get in those spots. You know, if you're trading for Lamar Jackson, you're not just giving away a your first. You're, you're giving away probably a couple of first, couple of seconds. Well, there, that's four players. Yes, I know Lamar and all that, but that's four players that if I draft right, you know, if you drafted the last couple of years, You know, if you could have had Micah Parsons in this day, they transform your franchise. Even as much as Lamar Jackson transforms it, I get those young guys that are on rookie deals. They transform it even more because now i got four of those guys. So I just, I don't see the value from the Falcons for trading up and, and giving away so much of their draft capital, whether it's for a Lamar Jackson, whether it's for the number one pick in the draft they're in a prime position that if you just sit back and let the draft unfold let the draft breathe you'll find a key player at a position that you need a lot of help at whether it's offensive line whether it's defensive line whether you decide to go with a quarterback in the first you know in the first round of the draft everything will just sort of fall into place without having to give up other assets and things like that just to take away the mystery of the you know unknown part of it where we can select anybody that we want and we don't have to worry about anybody picking in front of us. Just let the br- uh, br- uh, draft breathe and the Falcons are going to be in a prime position. And by the way, you can find a generational player at the number eight pick in the draft. You can find those guys. They're out there. I don't want the Falcons to start giving away too much of their draft capital when we talk about the idea of moving up, just, just to move up the spot. And by the way, you saw that the Colts general manager said yesterday at the Combine that they're not looking to move up. And, and they're talking about being in the young quarterback business, according to Jim Ursay. He's like, no, we don't, we're not going to even going from four to one cost too much value. In what we can do, it's not worth it for us to even move from four to one, just because we want a different player, let the draft breathe, let it exhale itself, and you'll find a a really good player at number eight, without having to give up additional draft capital for everything. All right, after you've made Hit and Heart with John Chuck with your first listen every day, make sure you make Locked on Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, uh, instant reactions, big game recaps, the take of the day. It's available at Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. So we may learn more about the Atlanta Hawks than we have the entirety of this season starting on Saturday and going into next week. Now, why do I say that? Well, here's what we've got going on. So we play the Portland Trailblazers on Friday night. That will be at home. Portland is coming uh, all the way east. They played last night. They were at home. Now they come all the way east, and they'll start their East Coast trip and all that good stuff. But we play the Trail Blazers at home. And I, and I will tell you that this is as close to must win if we're going to get up in the standings and things like that this is as close to must win as is, is what we've had. So that needs to be a victory on on a Friday night. But then starting on Saturday, you play at home on, on Friday night. Then Saturday, you travel to Miami, where you're gonna do this Fakta thing that the NBA is doing now. You have two games in three days against the same team to cut down on the road trips and things like that. So they'll play Miami on. Saturday, they'll have Sunday off, and then Monday night back with uh, with the um, uh, Miami Heat. And then you travel on Tuesday, and then you're in Washington on Wednesday night to play the Wizards, who you just lost to, and then Friday night. So you have back-to-back of these Fakakta road trips where they're trying to cut down on all the travel and, and this kind of stuff. But we're going to learn a lot about the Atlanta Hawks. Number one is the Hawks don't play that well on the road. They're 14 and 18 on the road. And we talked about yesterday on the show that the Hawks have not taken advantage of their schedule. And look, they're on pace for only 23 wins at home. That's four less wins that you didn't, that you, that's on pace for four less wins than the year before where you won 27, you were 27 and 14 at home during last season, okay? So if you don't make up those four wins and get back on track at home, you're going to have to find out a way to win on the road, both with a team directly in front of you and directly behind you. This is what's so interesting about this road trip is, yes, it's the Fakakta thing about playing, you know, Two games and three nights against the same team and all that kind of stuff, but the fact is that Miami and Washington bracket you, and I know Toronto's right behind them, but they bracket you right now, and so these become massively important games where you have to figure some things out, and you have a lot of disadvantages in in these two series where you haven't played well on the road this year, and beating a team in the second game on their home floor is obviously not a very easy thing. You know, if you win the first game, the idea of beating a team twice on their home floor, that's a tall task. Now the Hawks did it earlier this year. They were in Detroit, who's literally the most dreadful team in the Eastern conference. They're even worse than uh, the Charlotte Hornets, but you did go up to Detroit and you won back-to-back games at home. But that's going to be harder to do, not just in Miami, but in Washington, who's fighting for their playoff life. And you saw how Washington was able to find a way to pull that game out. And Bradley Beal took 30 shots and all this good kind of stuff. So we're going to learn a lot and maybe more than what we have up to this point of the season about the Hawks next week. Because if you come back with a clunker, 1-3 one and three, or zero oh and four, or something like that. Hawks are going to be in trouble because the idea of number one getting to the sixth seed starts to become, you know, unre- unreal. And obviously, Clint Capella yesterday said at the at the, you know talking to the media that our goal is to get to the number six seed. And, and we've talked about on the show the last day or two here about the idea of Quinn Snyder was brought in to win now. We could talk about the future and all that good kind of stuff. You know, we'll get to that point. But for right now, these 20 games, Quinn Snyder was brought to win in as many of these games right now. Forget evaluations and things like that. It's about winning right now. And getting up in the standings in the Eastern Conference and climbing up the the ladder to get into a better playoff position. But we're going to learn a lot about this Hawks team starting on Saturday. I feel like that they're going to win on Friday. I really do. I think that they're I think they're going to win. Our, uh, by the way, our old friend Cam Reddish is back in town, so um, you know we'll get a chance to uh, to see him. So um, Dame Lillard, obviously, seventy point performance uh, a couple of nights ago, and you know I think I don't remember if they won or lost last night, but they lost to Golden State the other night, and and played last night. They played the Pelicans last night, but we'll learn a lot because. First off, you're going to also, too, one of the negatives, you're on a back-to-back, and the Hawks do not play well on a back-to-back. So you got the back-to-back where you're on the road. The Hawks don't play well on the road. You got two teams that are bracketing you that are fighting for playoff positioning and fighting just to even be in the playoffs, and the concept of trying to win two games on the same team's home court. There are a lot of things that are working against the Hawks. Now, if they can go three and one, four and oh, then we'll come in here on, you know, come in here that following week and talk about, okay, maybe the, maybe the six seed is realistic because if they can get through a pretty good stretch this week and maybe even two and two, you know, but two and two realistically, probably doesn't do a lot for climbing up in the standings or falling backward in the standings. Two and two probably just gonna kind of keep you where you're at. But if you're three and one, four and oh, okay, then maybe we have a real shot. But if you're one and three or oh and four, now we start to drop to where, okay, are we gonna make the playoffs? This is a this is the situation that the Hawks have put themselves in because of the way that they have played for this season. And again, before we start talking about evaluations and the future and all this kind of stuff, okay? They're in the business of winning basketball games now. And, and Tony Wrestler is in the business of winning basketball now. You didn't bring in an outside coach and pull him off the beach and pay him $8 million a year just to evaluate players over this next 20 games. It's about winning now and finding a way to get it done. So we may learn more about the Hawks next week than we have all season long because there are so many negative factors that are working against this team. And you saw on, you know, the other night in that Washington game, this team still has trouble closing people out, still has struggles even on their home court trying to find a way to win. Well, four road games in a row, That may, that may be one of those things that, you know, is even, you know, uh, too much for the Hawks to, uh, to overcome. All right. We thank you so much for making hitting hard with John Chuck We're your first listen every day. Make sure you make locked on sports today. Your second listen, biggest stories of the day, instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day available Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts. We ask you to head over to youtube.com, put locked on sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We're trying to grow up to 6,000 people. We're over the 5,500 mark. So thank you so much for all of that, but trying to grow every day. Leave us a comment on our page as well. Also, uh, you can uh, download us for free on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple, wherever you get your favorites from, download us for free there today. Roku and Amazon Fire, two more ways that you can check us out and show, uh, uh, download us on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow to wrap up the week. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, locked on Sports Atlanta.